1: Today on Vulnerable, I get to chat with Anna Akana. Anna is a writer, actress, filmmaker, musician, and YouTuber. She launched her YouTube channel in 2011 and has over 2.8 million YouTube subscribers. She creates comedic and honest videos that all point to a deeper meaning, that you are the source of your worth and value, and she encourages you to develop self-love. She is currently starring in Blade of the 47 Ronin. You may also remember her from Jupiter's Legacy, Let It Snow, and Ant-Man. And today, Anna and I have a raucous time, basically just connecting on her relationship with YouTube and stand-up and uh, all things artistic, and also how I'm going to probably try to set her up with a Marine. (laughs) But I really love her, and we had a great time today. So watch us be friends on today's episode of Vulnerable. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is the Vulnerable Podcast. I don't know where to start with you, except that I thank you for coming on.
0: Oh my God, thanks for having me.
1: So, uh, about what was it? Gosh, now four years, five years ago? Time is,
0: it's non existent anymore. Non (laughs) existent.
1: I was deciding what to do with my career, I had a baby. And someone told me, like, hey, you should do, you know, YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And I was introduced to Studio 71, you know, and they were giving me all this, like, basically YouTube, when you join YouTube, they have, like, a Bible. And they're like, these are the best practices Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in becoming a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. And I felt, oh, wow, they're really trying to help me. They're really trying to set me up to make content. And... My husband, at the time, I was like, do you want to be my producing partner? Mm -hmm. And so that was it. Like, we decided on a cooking show. Mm -hmm. And your videos were definitely – some of the videos that you were putting out there with these, like, kind of, like, insane sort of budgets and, like, very cool, interesting takes on things, we were really excited about when we first started making content. Thank you. Yeah. You were really one of our first – I wouldn't say, like, we – it was reductive and that we were like oh we're gonna like do what she's doing Mm -hmm. but it was like you were on the scene and here you
0: are sitting before me I know you just commented on a TikTok and then I was like we made it happen we did (laughs) oh shoot I wasn't supposed to bang yeah (laughs) that's the thing
1: though so how are you like 2.8 million on YouTube and here you are sitting with little me and I appreciate that so much because it is so hard to collaborate nowadays Mm -hmm. like granted TikTok has been a really great, like, I think, unifier in that I'll find friends, I'll, or, I'll, I'll like, follow them, and we start relationships. Mm-hmm. But can you tell me what it was like starting your YouTube in, like, that world? It felt like a very different world than YouTube now. Yeah.
0: it It's evolved so much, but I, I do feel like back in the day it was... You're a fan of someone, you reach out on a platform and then you guys meet up in real life and become friends so long as you're not on the other side of the world. And even then, like I have I have a couple people from London that I met through YouTube where we would just get on FaceTimes and, or Skypes and like talk every couple of weeks. But I, I feel like even though that's kind of gone away because it's such an overly saturated space at this point, which is great because then people can create niche audiences and make more and more niche content, it does feel a little bit like oh, we used to have this cool little club of losers, and now all the cool people came in and have made it really, like, aesthetically gorgeous, and all the cool people are here now, but... I don't know. I have I've always just kind of tried to stay in my lane in the sense of like just make stuff that I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been burnt out for years, so I don't know how that's going. I don't know how my content's being received now. But We uh, we gotta talk about that. Yeah. Please. So you're and I know you talk a lot about mental health yeah. in your content,
1: and I love that. And I've been eating that up. And I and I've I've loved everything that you've put out when you talk about dating and your sex life and mm-hmm. like your past and your obviously your family stuff. All of it is so authentic that I feel like that, and the way that you've done things is so creative, like some of the stuff I've seen. Mm. I just love your point of view and stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I've been a big fan. I'm nerding out a little bit. Oh my God, thanks, (laughs) (laughs) Tiesty. But yeah, I mean... When did you get to two point eight? Like how long have you been at two point eight? It's like, hard to grow. I feel like I've been stuck at two point eight for a while. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, it was
0: like two point six, slowly crawling to two point seven. Um but you know, I also feel like subscribers are no longer reflective of views anymore. You know, because, like, I think my average view – my views are, like, 177,000 per video on YouTube, whereas I feel like TikTok and Instagram have really pushed to help you grow and, and expand to a different audience. It feels like YouTube has just kind of catered to watch time more. So if you have longer videos, that's king on YouTube, which, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know from seeing my content. I live in, like, the three- to five-minute category. Yeah, you have
1: to do 10-minute, like, yeah. 10, a
0: little bit over 10 minutes just to, like,
1: monetize it and keep it, like – like, yeah, and that's hard. Yeah. yeah. And so much of it was like, oh, this is the thumbnail. This is the splashy. <laughs>
0: yeah. I've pandered. For do you remember, a ever, lo- like, Reply Girls? Were you on YouTube at that time where no. it was just, it would just be girls like showing their boobs and they would just be like talking over someone else's popular video and they would make so much money doing it?
1: Oh my God. It was like
0: OnlyFans before OnlyFans. It was like fantastic. That
1: is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to ask you this Would you ever do an OnlyFans?
0: You know, I. I've debated it because some yeah. of my friends have fully quit acting and are now doing like fetish only fans where like men send them shoes and they just like stomp around in pudding in these shoes or sit in birthday cakes and they make like $30,000 a month. And I was like, wow, I wonder if I should just like give up everything else and just be sent shoes and sit in cakes. Yeah. Or even just do like sexier stuff. But I don't think I would because – I, I my rule usually is I don't do anything that I wouldn't be able to show my dad. And I show my dad a lot. Like I got a <laughs> You're breast like dar- dad, yeah. if I got something to show you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got a breast augmentation and I was like, "Dad, do you want to see the before and after?" And he was like, "All right, sure." Yeah, but like, I mean
1: like that's awesome because yeah. like your boobs like are part of his DNA. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? like <laughs> we're so often uh, like we freak out and my my husband sometimes will be like, "Oh, yeah, I can't see that." I'm like, "Honey, like like, let's, yeah. to a certain degree, privacy is one thing, and mm-hmm. her understanding her anatomy is another thing, and understanding consent. But, like, I don't want to, like, make it weird.
0: Yeah. Like, dads can still take care of their little girls. Oh, absolutely. I used to think it was so weird that my dad always wanted to kiss me on the lips, and then once I got a cat, I was like, oh, I get it. I, under, <laughs> I like, no, you give me your little lips. You give me you your do. little fuzzy yeah. little nose. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. I love cats. Yeah, I
0: love. You're a big cat lover, right? I am. Yeah. yeah. Wait, would you do an OnlyFans? Wait, like do you have do you have an OnlyFans? No. Oh, okay. My husband and I also talk about this too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this the other night, you know. I'll subscribe. Hi. Um, um, you know, Holly Madison was on Vulnerable not too long ago, mm-hmm. and she's, you know, Playboy Playmate mm-hmm. and like has her really amazing podcast, too. And she's a, she has an OnlyFans. And and he was like, Well, yeah, of course she has an OnlyFans. Yeah. She she should have one. But even though in your – are you technically Gen Z? I'm millennial. You are? Yeah. Okay. I say I'm elder millennial. We forget shit. <laughs> and so I think that Gen Z and maybe the younger side of millennials is like like cool with kink. Mm. Like kink is like – it's like, yo, get that bag, like yeah. do the thing, normalize it, all that stuff. Mm. Like I'm, I, I get that and it's kind of cool. It is. It really is, especially when we talk about like sex work and stuff yeah. like that, right? Like, if if sex work were legal, mm-hmm. what that would do for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, um, it gives so many women the ability to make money during the pandemic too. It was like, wow, go for it. You know, make money at home. Exactly. Yeah. In a hygienic, like, and you're. It's like you're. It's like
1: when we're a content creator, mm-hmm. you're controlling the narrative. Yeah. To a certain degree. Yeah. Right. And so, I'm sure that there's some drawbacks from OF. Like, I'm sure that. Women are like, well I've got to make a certain amount of money now and or like I have commissions for people. Mm. Like this guy shoots these pictures for me, so I have to It's kind of probably there's traps that some girls are probably falling into. Yeah. But again, I do I do think it is it is really a fascinating thing. I don't think I will do it because I have a lot of things riding on my reputation when it comes to uh, the way that my daughters mm. see me, you know mm. what I'm saying? Like yeah, I can't yeah. do something that I wouldn't show my daughters. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I would not be showing my daughters. you be like, oh, mommy, hello. you're so
0: sexy. <laughs>
1: I know, that's the thing. It's like I actually do, I, I've recently been doing more thirst trappy things. Yes. <laughs> and I was like uncomfortable with it. Actually, you know where this all started? Was I was I did a sponsored deal with Fashion Nova. Oh. And And my husband was like, I was like, I need shirts for content. Yeah. Okay. People want to like hate on it because it is fast fashion and it is very ethically like weird. Yeah. And I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, cool. I need like a bunch of different looks because I'm doing all these different videos and they need to be like cheap enough. But I think I'll be able to to pull it off. But then he shows me the the website and I'm like, what the? Fuck? <laughs> How am I supposed to wear that? Like, I don't have that butt. I don't yeah. have you know and so i got into it and i i said well i've got to you know this is a deal i have to honor the commitment so i'm going to try to make it work the best i can and mm-hmm. what i found was of course the thirstier the look i was
0: like wow like i'm actually getting more engagement yes i mean that's the trap of it right like I found the, the, if I post really thirsty photos, your likes and your comments are insane. But then I get a lot of unfollows as well. Oh. Like, have you noticed that? No,
1: I haven't. It, I, a
0: lot of my friends were saying the same thing in which you're like, oh, it's, it, it creates so much engagement and it gets on so many more feeds. But maybe that's why the unfollows happen because it's reminding of so, so many people that they're following you and they're like, I don't want to follow this anymore.
1: Oh, weird. Yeah, it is very odd. That is so weird. I mean, there was such a um – such an alchemy yeah. to all of this that we as and I say we as content
0: creators because I've I've kind of you know I've been at it for a little You're bit You're a though. content creator. <laughs> You're here. You have a studio. Oh yeah, it's got lighting. You I got, got a, a fucking neon sign. <laughs> you got you got a neon sign, <laughs> and it's cute. It's really cute. I like Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Let's. I mean, let's
1: talk about you. I, I love all the stuff we're just jumping into today. <laughs> Sorry, we just did like a whole OnlyFans
0: side. quest. I, I love that though because.
1: <laughs> So with OnlyFans having some visibility, I think that there are some really amazing stories that are coming out of it, like Bad Baby. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the Catch Me Outside girl. She went and she spoke at Oxford, and I guess lots of applause. Like, they were so excited to see her Mm. and hear from her. And she's got a scholarship fund. She made, like, $50 million. From OnlyFans? That's what I'm saying. It's like she rates to be
0: speaking at... What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? (laughs) I think if I wasn't an actor, because I have a bunch of friends who are producers, and some of my friends who are a little more prominent in the acting world have done OnlyFans. Really? Yeah. They make very, very good money, but it's affected their ability to book acting roles significantly. And so, you know, it's weird because it's like, oh, if I take my shirt off for an HBO show, it's prestige, but if I take it off to try to make, you know, five figures a month then all of a sudden it's trash. It's so arbitrary because, like, you'll see what's her name from Euphoria who mm-hmm. started in
1: corn, as they say. Um, <laughs> but she started in porn. And uh, is it Candy is her name?
0: I don't remember, but I know exactly. Big Lips Girl, right? Yes. Like, no offense to her. No, no, no. She character. knows that. She yes. uses them. Yeah. She
1: loves that. That's, like, a part of her look. And so she, she's been doing really well by sort of normalizing the fact that she's that did this mm-hmm. this sex work mm-hmm. and that she's now this like fun actress and she's doing all these sponsored deals. Yeah. I remember seeing her at I think it was like the revolve house or one of those like houses where they were sort of making her the the face of it mm. at a festival or something and and I was like good like she's 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 monetizing yeah in a way that's not surrounding porn yeah
0: so mainstream. I think it's great for people who can build a brand in that way. Like Cardi B I think is very similar or Diablo Cody, where they started off in, you know, as strippers and then segued into this. It's it's always so fascinating. And the thing I hate most about I guess the whole sector, the idea of it is like the shame that's put upon women for it you know, the shame for women who want to have an OnlyFans or who want to strip or who are going into sex work, like how much shame they get from society when it's like, well, this is a service they're providing because there's a demand for it. So why don't we shame the people who create this demand? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, uh, the state of feminism is weird, especially the people like that are my age. I feel like we were really into that whole second wave white feminism stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That really, really failed us as members of that white feminism movement. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are leaning into either understanding the flaws or starting to understand intersectionality, mm-hmm and trying to get other other stories from other women mm-hmm. and starting to really get tuned into that and some of that comes with accepting that you know sex work is work right yeah. and then there's other women that might have been on the side of white feminism for their own convenience and almost for their own protection in yeah. some ways and i think some of them are moving towards a more conservative like i think they're actually like it's weird to see how some people are reacting to girl power. They're like, yeah, well, now you can't even see your kids and you're working all the time and you're exhausted and yeah. you haven't had kids early enough in life. And it's like so strange the way it's come back to sort of haunt.
0: you right. Everybody. There has been that sort of like, I don't want to call it like a backwards movement, but like the whole idea of princess treatment now that's going around where everyone's like, don't lift a finger. Get a man who's going to pay for your nails and your hair. Like the first stage should be blah, blah, blah. I don't want to work anymore. Right. Like Ali Wong's whole shtick about like, I don't want to work. I want a man to pay for my entire life. I have so many friends and also like my my TikTok for you page is like showing me so many of these women who are like, that's it. Like we, why did we – opt into feminism. That was a mistake. (laughs) And it it is really interesting to see a a new generation like look at the strides we've made and go, no, we don't want it. And I'm like, I guess that's the beauty of choice that we've given you, right? Yeah. Well, that's the truth, right? Feminism protected the right for you to choose that as well. To choose to not engage in it.
1: And I mean, dude, like that's for real. Like, uh, free speech—it's the bigger—it's the bigger concept there. It's us being human. It's us having those rights to begin with.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's really, really awesome. Yeah, it's—it's cool to watch the new generation and what they like. They're so anti-work, and I'm like, maybe they're right. Like, (laughs) maybe we should just like live off a point system or something, like in China. Like, maybe we should just be good people to each other and figure out how
1: to like modify that. But.
0: Yeah, it's a weird time to be American. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway. How did you grow up? (laughs)
0: That's the first question. Tell
1: me about Um, your childhood.
0: Haven't grown up yet. (laughs) I was a military brat, so I basically moved around every couple of years. Uh, My dad was very disciplined, and every time my mom left, we would all scream and cry and like grab at her ankles because it meant like we're going to wake up at 5 a.m. We have to do our chores. We have to make our bed, (laughs) da, 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 da. Whereas my mom was very artistic, very flowy, you know, uh, very much like an alcoholic who was like, do your own thing, follow your drink. (laughs) Was she an alcoholic? (laughs) She still is. Oh, okay. So Don't I, quit. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> That's be like, quit. We all got our advice, you know? Yes. Um, but I had like a really interesting dichotomy of art and business like through both of them like okay. raising me. And so I feel like I was perfectly optimized to get into show business because I was like I'm incredibly disciplined. I'm very entrepreneurial, but I also know how to be very creative and get into flow state because of my mom. Um, so Interesting. Yeah. So your relationship with your mom, so she was very flowy and artistic. In mm-hmm. what ways, though? She would always encourage me if I was upset to paint or to take up a hobby. You know, the rule in my house was you have to be doing one instrument in one sport. At all times, they really – they let me, like, draw all over the walls. Like, most parents would be like, don't do that. My parents were like, go ahead. Like, draw a mural. Do whatever you want. And so I, very often our houses would be full. I would just do huge murals on each of the walls, like in Sharpie or with paint. And they would they would always encourage me to monetize whatever I liked to do. So I opened a candy business when I was in middle school and they helped fund it. And, but I had to pay them back, whatever. Um, or like, you know, I would- But with interest or just pay them just back? Just pay them back. It was That's a zero nice. interest loan. That was good. really nice. That's that. really good. Yeah. Because I
1: feel like there's those kinds of parents that are like, I'm going to give to you. And then there's the parents that are like, I'm going to give to you, but with interest to make it worth my time. And I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, I didn't ask to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were they were always very uh, encouraging in terms of pursuing knowledge or pursuing my entrepreneurial endeavors or pursuing my dreams. I, I'm very thankful that they always gave me the message that whatever you put your mind to, you're completely capable of. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've grown up with that mentality. You have siblings. I have... Well, we know, yes. Yes. A brother who's still here, a sister who is not. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And then uh, when your sister passed, Mm -hmm. is that how you got into YouTube?
0: It is. So she passed when I was 17, and I, in my whole life... Up until that point, I was going to be in the military. So I would do ROTC, summer camps. I would do the military. What branch were you going to be? Uh, Marine Corps. Wait a minute. I
1: fucking knew that. So my husband is a former Marine. <laughs> oh, hoorah. And I, uh, yeah. <laughs> and for real, I we knew that about you. I think that was one of the things that was so instra- – so stood out about you when mm. we first started. We were like, oh,
0: my God. And she's got – like she's this military. Okay, so you were going to be a Marine? I was going to be a veterinarian in the Marine Corps. I would study vet books in my spare time. Because my dad was like, you have to go into the military. And I was like, can I do whatever I want in the military? And he was like, yes. I had bad eyesight, so being a pilot was out. So I was like, well, I'll be a a doctor to make them happy, but I'll be a doctor of animals to make myself happy. And then my sister passed away, and I realized, I don't want to fucking do this. Like, I don't actually want to be in the military and be a doctor. So I did a bunch of drugs. Oh, well that helped. Yeah. For two years, (laughs) just did drugs constantly trying to figure out like what I was going to do or who I was at that point. And it was bizarre to go through such a violent death at 17 because the next day all my friends were like, oh, well then the funeral's over, whatever. Like we're going back to normal now. And I was like, no, the world has stopped for me. Like I don't I'm not going to have fun and, and, and like enjoy a regular conversation with you guys. It's been two weeks since my, someone I grew up with my whole life is dead. Mm-hmm. And so I had to really confront my mortality and deal with the grief of that. And I was 19, and I saw Margaret Cho perform. And for 30 minutes, I forgot she was dead. Like for the first time in two years, I was like, oh, it's not at the forefront of my mind. And I actually laughed and I realized I hadn't laughed in two years. And I think seeing someone who looked like me, who was an Asian American woman perform on stage and who gave me the gift of escapism of my tremendous pain. It not I was like, that's what I want to do. I, I want to give that to somebody else. If I can give that to somebody else, my whole life is validated and has meaning. So I started pursuing stand up comedy. And I did stand-up for like 13 years, but when you start out, you're in like coffee shops trying to like yuck it up with people who are legit just trying to have a conversation and live their lives. They don't want to listen to you, or you're in a laundromat, or I would do like, you know, go on mil- the military base and try to like tell my jokes. And it got, you, you know, it was hard because you felt like you're intruding on everyone's life. They're not there to listen to you. Yeah. Um. You would do your open mics or you'd do whatever. And so I was like, well, if I, maybe I'll make a YouTube video because that way, someone would click on me voluntarily, and I'm not bothering them. You know, they're actually, like, they want to watch me at that point. Mm -hmm. And I loved the visual medium, and I loved how much more freedom it gave me to tell different kinds of jokes. Because, you know, when it's you and a microphone, there's a set of, you know, you can do a mislead, you can do a story, you can do a callback, but there's a set amount of forms of jokes that you can usually do when it's just you and your voice. Whereas with film, it opened it up so much to have, a complete message to have multiple jokes within the story to like create a joke just by what you're, what you're looking like. And so I really became obsessed with the idea of comedy through YouTube. And I was like, I'm going to make a video every single week, no matter what. And I have pretty much held to that standard for 13 years. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And here I am on the, on the vulnerable
1: podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The Christy Carlson Rana show. Um, That's crazy that you've been that long doing that, that content creation. I know. Is it exhaust? I mean, you said you've been burnt out. Yeah. So I've been burnt out for like six years. Hasn't
0: Margaret Cho been burnt out? (laughs) Hasn't she talked (laughs) about being burnt out? Because like Margaret
1: Cho kind of went away for a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She, she had, I mean, she paved the way for so many other Asian Americans, but it was so much more difficult when she was, when she was in this business, you know, Mm -hmm. they pushed her into an eating disorder when she had her show First American Girl. And, you know, she was like one of the only Asian Americans in the game. And, It was just – it seems like it was really, really hard for her. Yeah, it was very, very lonely, I bet. Yeah. And have you met her? I have. I fangirled over her. I did a show with her. Uh Uh-huh. I love her. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sure she gets every Asian girl coming up to her like, Margaret, I love you. You, You're the reason I'm doing this. And she's like, great, I love it.
1: (laughs) She's like so over it. But, I mean, I wonder if she's actually seen your YouTube
0: videos too, though. I mean – She's I think pretty savvy lady. Yeah, I think she ended up watching a few. Uh, she saw something of mine because I remember talking to her. She's like, oh, "Yeah, I seen you on the thing," and I was like, "Oh my god, she knows I'm alive." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah. she,
1: so you, they say not to meet your your heroes. your heroes, yeah. And so it was a good experience. It
0: was, yeah. She had a fucking killer show when I got to meet her too. She was great. It was when she was she, she got really political in her stand up. I remember she had a joke about. Oh, man, it was like the MIT mass shooting or something. And at the time, it was like the largest mass shooting of all time. And she was like, of course, an Asian-American, a mass shooter is going to be on top, like with the most kills. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my, oh God. my God. Yeah. Very was, dark. Yeah, it was really dark, yeah. but so politically charged. And it was amazing to see how much she had evolved from when I was 19 to when I was like 27. Right. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. So how much had you evolved? Oh, man, I was a whole new person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, people change.
1: What has fundamentally stayed the same about you though? Cuz obviously you've you've grown in your content creation, you've mm-hmm. grown in probably in the way that you've approached communicating with your fan base and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cuz I do find that like the longer I've been in the content creation game, the more knowledge I acquire. Yes. You know, it's like, you see these like baby creators and you're like, oh, they're coming around. And then it's like, you see them, TikTok too, I think. Through quarantine, I saw a lot of people start where now here we are. And they're like millions and millions of followers. Bella, like that, she came out of nowhere with the stupid face zoom thing. (laughs) And it was like these people like overnight, but they'd been doing it for a while and they grew into understanding Mm -hmm. themselves. So from the time you first saw Margaret, to then? Like, I'm curious
0: how much growth happened for you as a comedian. As a comedian? I mean, to answer your first question, I think the only thing that stayed the same is I always try to add value. So I'm all about why should somebody give me their attention? Attention is the most prized currency, you know. Time. Yeah. Time, attention. That's like the new gold. So I always try to make sure I I go into every piece of content or every show or anything I make at all with what it what am I giving someone? Like what are they actually taking away from this? What is the value? And I guess in terms of like the actual ways that I've grown is I think I've learned how to be just sharper, like kill my darlings a lot faster, like I've gotten much better at understanding what's funny, what's not funny. But one thing I think I'll never be able to guess, and it's why I encourage everyone to just put everything out, is you never know what people are going to like or what's going to go viral. So fucking frustrating, though. No. I don't know. Maybe I don't kill my darlings. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me, please. How do you find out how to do that? I mean, you just... I, you just got to throw the spaghetti at the wall. You got to mm-hmm. make your shit and you got to put it out there because all the videos I've made where I'm like, this has my heart and my soul and I've worked so hard on this. And this is my baby. Nobody gives a fuck about it. Mm-hmm. And then the thing where I'm like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever had, but I have to meet my deadline. Viral. Oh, Everyone loves it. Everyone <laughs> talks to me about that stupid video. Like I did a makeup tutorial mm-hmm. where I just pretended. I'm like, when you put in your eyeshadow it's kindness, Look the way you look at the world. And I was like, this I, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's literally what propelled, it's the first viral video I ever had on YouTube. <laughs> it's what got me most of my audience. And I remember being like, I don't understand, I don't understand, like, and still to this day, I'll make something and I'll be like, this is gonna, this is it, nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know, here's something. And they're like, we love it, ever, it's, it's viral on LinkedIn. So I always tell, like, especially my brother. You could go viral on LinkedIn. I know. Wait, are you serious? Yes. With what? I don't know how, but apparently it was viral on LinkedIn. That's insanity. I know. I was like, (laughs) LinkedIn's a social network now. Do I need to be on it? Weird. Getting followers on LinkedIn, dude. I'm actually on LinkedIn. Are you? Uh, I think it's like I've never made a profile. Okay, so basically,
1: (laughs) I quit the business. I quit the business when I was 24, 25. Yeah. I, I don't know if people really realize that I like quit the business, but I like fired my agents. Yeah. I moved to New York. I was also drinking and just partying mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. ass off. And I decided, okay, I'm gonna go back to college and I'm gonna just like do a LinkedIn and <laughs> <laughs> show people, you know, that I can get an internship. And I yeah. legit. I have a LinkedIn. It's still active. You go ahead and look at it. And I've got all sorts of special skills and wow. like all the things I've ever done. Has it gotten you a job? I actually got a job offer in the email like a couple days ago from <gasps> LinkedIn. <laughs> Are you going to do it? Are you going to get that I job? Should, I should see. I should see. Like, let me you see You have if I the can LinkedIn app? It. No, I don't even know how the hell any of that happened. Oh, look, here it is. I'm um, so-and-so, senior executive recruiter at So Hiring, Inc., and our client has retained us to fill various senior-level positions, and our talent acquisitions manager saw your LinkedIn profile, and your background is impressive. <laughs> like, I can't even make this up. Let me know if you're interested, and and we'll set up a call. They didn't or say
0: anything about the job at all. Yeah, it's yeah. a shady business. He probably is like wants money or something. Oh my god! Or they want to give you money.
1: Talent acquisition. They want to acquire it's you. Only fans. It's an only fans <laughs> thing.
0: Bringing it back. <laughs>
1: See? Yeah. I try. I do try. So, two point eight is fucking hard to get, and it's it's I'm at I'm at three, and this isn't by no means like comparison at yeah. all. Like. Uh, my frustration is shared with you mm-hmm. in that creating content that panders mm-hmm. but is still authentic. Mm-hmm. It's a da- it's a daily struggle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, I actually have help, and I'm kind of interested in how you've staffed up mm-hmm. because there's no way the f- that you can fucking do this on your own.
0: I mean, I write, direct, and act, and then I have a – in terms of crew, I have a DP, a sound guy, a grip, and an editor. And then sometimes Bethany Radloff does animations for my videos. But So there's, there's trusted people that have come along the way. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, it was like you. Oh, in the beginning, it was like I'm dragging my vacuum into the frame and like pulling focus and putting a lav on and clapping and then editing. It was insane. It took me like a week to make one video all the time. Yeah. And now the turnaround is so fast. I know.
1: And it's amazing what people do just on TikTok alone by themselves. I don't understand. I mean, I
0: think the thing I, I envy about Jen's, and I feel like so old saying this, but I'm like, back in our day, we didn't have makeup tutorials. So they're like, I look at all these kids that are like, 16 to 20, and they look like a flawlessly beautiful contour. And I'm like, and they, have oh no my god. they have no pores. They have no pore. I was like, you don't, don't understand. understand. They've been doing skincare routines. They've since been getting they Botox were, since yeah. they were like 12. I was like, oh my god. I was like, you look like more of a woman than I am, and I'm twice your age. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a really technically a good thing. I don't know. I'm like, I would like, but I they know. look good. Yeah. for now, I you know. know. But um, they can learn anything they want. That's true. Anything they want, they can look up and and discover how to do. Yeah. Like there are some people who actually figured out they have whistle tone registers because they were just like, oh, I'll look up vocal lesson classes and figured out they're amazing at a certain hobby. Is this the girl that's like a seagull? She does yes. impressions of a seagull?
1: Yes. I saw this recently. I wish I knew her handle, but oh, yeah. she does seagull impressions. I'm sure it's a hashtag. You no,
0: but now that. she, did you see her do a Siren Mermaid? I did. And it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, yeah, monetized this. Yeah, you I know. Go, I'll go to the opera for this. Well, how do you monetize TikTok? Do you know? I think there's a creators fund. I'm not a I part mean, of it, but I hear it's. We're talking nothing. like actual yeah. money. <laughs> uh, my guess would be sponsorships. Like even like YouTube, yeah. n- n- my AdSense revenue is like two grand. A month. Wow, I, you're so I, – I can't tell people how much my ad revenue is. Yeah?
1: Well, I, I I know what it is, and it's it's enough for me to cover what I need to cover kind yeah. of mentality. But it's interesting how, like, I work with my husband as my producing partner, and so he's been in that conversation of growth when it came to understanding mm. the analytics and, and really decoding. Like, yeah. YouTube, for better or for worse, gives you a lot of, like, tools. They give you a big blueprint on – Audience retention, and they give you lots of passive-aggressive, aggr- like, um, suggestions on your thumbnails, mm-hmm. and these are what's performing,
0: this is what's not. Oh, yeah, I hate those updates. Nobody cared about this video. <laughs> <Your> <laughs> you <analytics>. suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, YouTube. I already knew that, yeah. fucker.
1: But, yeah, I mean, they, they try. Yeah. As much as a, a multi-billion-dollar corporation could possibly help you, yeah. not all of us are going to be Mr. Beast. Mm-hmm. And I actually know Mr. Beast's like manager. He's a really great guy, Reed. And we've talked to him about developing things. Yeah. And um it, it in some ways developing, like you said, it's kind of lightning in a bottle.
0: Yeah.
1: And and I think one of the
0: first things they told me in YouTube too was like, throw everything to see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah, and you just don't know. Like, also, you could have some things go viral way after the fact. One of my friends did one of those, like, Dorito commercial submissions. And I think three or four years after it was uploaded, it just got somewhere that propelled it into the millions of views. And they were like, what the fuck is going on? They started receiving all these checks from YouTube, and they were like, oh. And so now they were like, let's recreate this since people like this. So they were they did a bunch of stuff in that vein and were able to create a business out of it. Really? Yeah. I'm trying to think if
1: I've seen it. I saw some Doritos ads, but I feel like Doritos is always – and did Doritos, like, sponsor it or did no, they say it was, it was
0: okay? No, when Doritos was doing the um, – The it contest where the you – contest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. you created
1: your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I recently saw something. It must have been your friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's Interesting. just so
0: wild. It's so wild. You it never is.
1: know. It is. And then sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that, like, sometimes you do know when something is going to work mm-hmm. and you have to do it. Yeah. We obviously we've talked about pandering way too much, so I don't I don't need yeah. to go into it because like I don't want to have to keep doing Kim Possible shit. Say. <laughs> That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> no more people comp- tag me in so many Kim compo- and then there's a Kim filter on TikTok, oh, God. and I'm like, oh, I'll fucking use it. Fine. Yes. Yeah. Would you say you're you have a pretty dark sense of humor? Yeah. And so you feel like I mean, it feels like any of the grief that you've endured. Mm-hmm you've sort of sourced that and and sort of repurposed it?
0: Oh, yeah. The only point of trauma is to monetize it. I'm like, otherwise, why does it exist? Mm. If I can't make money for my trauma, it's useless to me. It's true. It's not <laughs> serving you. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, but no, I think I have a very dark sense of humor, which when I started stand-up was very, very difficult because obviously it was my YouTube audience that would come out to watch me, and they're used to a very sunny, eloquent, like – you know certain disposition uh, persona that I have on YouTube that's much more optimistic than me in real life <laughs> yeah and so I would do my stand-up about topics like abortion or my sister's suicide and it was always very sardonic and wry and they were not used to it and they did not like it they didn't laugh no they were it was a lot of groans it was like and people were very upset they were very you know I got I had people wait around after the show and be like what is this like, oh my god why would you say these things <laughs> and I'm like bro it's stand-up like what do you think yeah it's a whole different medium and this is the way i want to express myself in this medium yes um but eventually i got to a really good point with it where i feel like people kind of started to understand it and were accepting of it but it was a rough transition in the beginning to from youtube to stand up well i was doing both at the same time but once i had an uh an audience per se they didn't like seeing a different version of me on stage than they were used to on screen and so getting them to sort of bridge the gap between sort of like optimist Anna and nihilistic Anna in these two different mediums was a it was a tall order
1: interesting
0: yeah would you say that you found a medium or you've started making content
1: that kind of bridges that though I guess uh because I recently saw a really cool video of you on TikTok I think it was Mm. where you were really open about the procedures that you've had done
0: oh yeah the cosmetic enhancements (laughs) I've
1: had yeah (laughs) I'm sorry, but I thought it was ballsy and cool. And I was instantly hooked. And I was like, fucking yes, yes. And I I have started to do little things here and there. Mm -hmm. And so I was really fascinated with the way that you just approached it. And you're like, yeah, man, this is what I do. And this is why I do it. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that that was super sunny. Mm -hmm. But I also wouldn't say that was nihilist.
0: Yeah, I guess TikTok does feel like a little bit of a bridge between the two. But TikTok still, I feel like what really does well on TikTok is is exactly what I love, which is takeaway value. Like everyone's watching a TikTok to learn something, at least in, in my vertical and my for you page, is I'm like, what am I learning from you? What are you, what knowledge are you giving me to help me incorporate in my life so that I can live a better life? And so I think with particularly the, the cosmetic enhancement stuff, I mean, i made a video that was just straight up puns about my my breast augmentation. So I, you know, people, because people kept speculating online, like, oh my God, like she used to have no tits. It was just like nipples on, yeah, right there. They're lovely. No, this is fake. I'm looking for them. Yeah. They're not
1: fake. You paid for them.
0: Well, yeah. They're yours. Yeah, they're mine now. It's like
1: I have extensions in my hair. They're my hair.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I paid for it. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I was I was just really. I remember the first time I got them done and I wore like a shirt like this, and Mm -hmm. someone like looked at my chest. and was like, wow, I've never experienced that. They're not that big. Come on now. Well, when I wear wear like a shirt, but Mm -hmm. I loved it. That Mm -hmm. was the whole thing. Yeah. It's like to go from no boobs to just being like, I have boobs that I can weaponize now was fantastic. And I just was like, I want to try for 10 years to see what it's like to be a woman with breasts. And so far, I love it. It is great. Yeah. I lost my boobs. Oh, after pregnancy? Yeah, after after uh, breastfeeding for the last
1: child for <sighs> way too long. Well, I breastfed my child for fucking three years. Oh, my God. Which I think some people, it's becoming more normalized to breastfeed your child for as long as you feel like it. Yeah. You know, I think maybe five is still a little bit old. Yeah. Like I think cocoa. Had her kid, like, who was, like, five or so, yeah. like, still doing it. but Save on formula, I guess. You do, especially when there's a fucking shortage. Yeah. And, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I lost them. They're
0: gone. Well, Dr. Eugene Kim, if you ever feel like okay, it. Okay. already done <laughs> so many of my friends. Yeah, um, so what's your friend group like here in L.A.? I left
1: L.A. and I have very few friends still here. I have a lot of really great teammates mm-hmm. that I work with. But, like, friendships and living in L.A. Yeah. and being a lady with beautiful breasts in L.A., like,
0: what, <laughs> what is that uh, like? These girls are my best friends. <laughs> um, diamonds. No, actually, it's weird. You know, I think friendships go through seasons. I've had this uh, – I've I always wondered if it was me because I grew up in so many different places and you get, you know, close with someone really fast and then you leave and you never see them ever again your whole life. And so I've had – friendships f- like fall the fucking part in LA. And I just went through a big rupture with my best friends recently. Sucks. Yeah, it's it's like worse than a breakup. It is a breakup though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fucking awful. And it's worse with women who Ugh. are your friends than like at least a guy you're like, whatever. But like with your girlfriends, you're like, oh, this is gonna carry on in my soul forever.
1: Yeah, um, it's like a death. It is. Yeah, I still mourn the loss of a friend from my wedding. Ugh. She was supposed to be my maid of honor. Oh, wow. But I had a complicated history with my my sister, and I said, okay, I need to make my sister my maid of honor. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that my wedding was on New Year's Eve, and this former friend's birthday was also on New Year's Eve. Mm. And so she was very sensitive, I guess, about her birthday. Yeah. And I didn't do enough to accommodate her feeling like she was loved. Yeah. And I think she had some issues that she hadn't brought up to me. Mm. And so I was told by one of the bridesmaids who was like holding her hand the whole time you know she's really not okay like and I'm like literally sitting in my dress eating my wedding cake yeah and I'm like what the fuck is happening and so she comes over to me and we just I I just I'm like are you okay like she's like it's okay we'll talk about it later we'll we'll talk about but like even to be like having these kinds of – this kind of an issue, for me, it was a very important day. Yeah. And I just – and we still – at the wedding, we still sang her happy birthday. We still made it about her. And I gave it some time, and I was really fucking mad. Yeah. And it wasn't like a milestone birthday. Mm. And I had started to realize that there had been red flags all along, Mm. even through the planning process of like the bachelorette stuff. And I didn't want to be petty. And so we tried to meet up. And I guess – at the time, I, I I was still drinking or whatever, but like it wasn't like I was drunk. But yeah. I forgot the date. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I yeah. wasn't organized. I wasn't clear headed, and I forgot the date. And she was like, "You were supposed to be here, and you didn't show up." That's it. I don't want to be your friend anymore. And she oh, broke up with wow. me. Wow. Yeah.
0: I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm okay. That I also. Guess. I mean, I'm on the other <laughs> side of that. I was supposed to be someone's maid of honor, and I got uninvited to the wedding. Yeah. yeah. The 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 whole maid of honor and the whole bridesmaid trope. Yeah what the fuck, it's not, it's very outdated. I feel like weddings, they bring out the worst in absolutely everyone. I think it's such, we have such expectations around it societally, and who knows, maybe this will happen to me as well, like if and when I get married, but so far in my experience, like I have lost friends over weddings, because also I have never really been a bridesmaid, and I was invited to be a bridesmaid for certain people, and I didn't know you have to like do certain things, like there's no like manual you get of like when you're a bridesmaid, these are the things you're obligated to do. And even then I was like, well, if I don't want to do that, do you really want my, do you really want me to like show up and do all of these things that make me incredibly uncomfortable that are not me, that I don't want to do? Does it, it doesn't mean that much to you? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. My best friend, uh, kind of my cat died two days before her bachelorette party. So I was drinking and I was crying and I was... A mess. At the bachelorette. At the bachelorette. you. Got you. But when my cat had died, she was like, should we move the bachelorette? And I was like, no, we're not going to move your bachelorette, you know, because of me. And I think I should have just said, I love you. I, I shouldn't come to this because I was a fucking mess. And my dad had also decided to, quote unquote, relieve himself of the responsibility of being my father and go fight in the Ukrainian war
1: I'm oh, sorry what the fuck yeah
0: so like okay I don't see that on my <laughs> I haven't really talked about it okay yeah but okay so like every day I was wondering if he was gonna die and every day I was treating my cat with a feeding tube to keep her alive and also this is a cat when I got when I was 17 right after my sister committed suicide and so I always told myself my sister put her soul into this cat to keep me company so I was reliving my sister's death wondering okay if my dad dies like how do I know how do I get his body back like do I ship it Do I cremate it? Do we put his ashes in the urn with my sister? It was a lot. It was just like a lot. But yeah, she broke up with me over email. She wouldn't even talk to me in person. She Mm. was just like, goodbye. And so I was like, oh, okay. All right. And uh, that fucking sucks. It sucks. But I was also like, this is, I will say, when she did that, I was like, this is the greatest thing you could have ever given me because I was forced to confront my worst fear, which is everyone I love leaving or dying. And so I confronted that and I was like oh I'm okay like I'm okay you were I was I mean like it wasn't okay okay but it in the sense of like I didn't have suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. I didn't like jump off my fucking roof Mm -hmm. you know I was like oh this is what I've been afraid of this whole time is everyone leaving and or dying and now that this has happened I'm like, it's not as worse as the hype that was in my head, if that makes sense. I was like, I can always make new friends. Like my dad ended up coming back and he was alive and he was okay. And my brother and I patched things up. And like, even though my cat had died, I was like, you know what? I gave her six months of life with quality care. Like I was like, I did everything I could with the tools that I had at the time. And even though I wish I could go back and do it all better and make that day special for her, I was like, you know what? I was still going through a lot. I was going through death. And it's not like I timed it out that way. It's not like I had any bad intentions. So I made my peace with it and I felt okay with it.
1: Do you go to therapy?
0: I do. I want to
1: go to therapy. I just, uh, I was going to therapy and doing EMDR. Ooh. And it was really intense. Yeah.
0: What about CBT? CBT. What is it? Cognitive behavioral therapy? Sure, yeah. Yeah. But what is what are those techniques or what it's is It's two different modes of of therapy, but CBT is about rewiring your oh, brain. I think we were doing that. Okay. I think she
1: was implementing different techniques from CBT and and EMDR. Okay. Yeah, I think I think she was uh doing a lot of shit on my crazy brain. Yeah. And it was it was starting to really affect my my not my parenting, but like mm-hmm. my approach to the day and like I was headed towards probably needing like antidepressants. I was like, yeah. "Wow, I, I think this is going to be a really hard season for me." Yeah. And and you know, it was an internal conversation that I was having with my husband and he's like, "Yeah, I think this is really hard to manage everything." And I was like, "Okay, I need to reframe my relationship to therapy right now so that it's serving the greater good of everyone and yeah. like it's very hard yeah. when you're trying to deal with your traumas to also Still be present in the life that you're living, yeah. so that, I guess that's why I kind of am curious about how you're doing. Like,
0: is the therapy helping? Therapy I mean, helps, helps so damn so much. <laughs> you see, do you like your therapist? Yes. I love my fucking therapist. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's a. I've had a lot of different therapists over the years, and very often they like retire because they tend to be like older men. But this woman is like a young, hip. Like she's a new mom. She specializes in attachment, which is where all of my shit shows up. Most of my recent videos are all just her advice that I package. You're like Thanks you know? for the content. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, paid one fifty for this. Here yeah. you go. Monetizing it. Yeah. Um but yeah, she she is fantastic. And I think like, therapy is hard. Like no one wants to look in a mirror and be like, let me confront my shadow self and like heal my inner child. And blah, blah, blah. yeah, you know, let me talk like it always comes back to fucking mommy or daddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, I'm so over this. How how much did my mom and dad mess me up? And like, why can't I just get over it? Oof.
1: And I have kids. So that's like one other thing. It's like, God damn it. I'm, I'm already messing <laughs>
0: up. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing great. We're trying. We're taking yeah. it a day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then your relationship with your parents is great. It's okay. I think I'm one of the lessons I'm learning recently is to just accept them for who they are. To stop hoping that they'll be different. And once I did that, I was like, oh, I'm not upset all the time. How do they feel about your social media success? They're very supportive. They've been in a couple of videos, but they're they have a weird attitude where they're like, Okay, we can't be on any videos for a while. We don't want people to have too much of us. <laughs> like, we need to give them a break. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Who yeah.
1: what? Okay. Yeah. You, there's like some people on TikTok whose parents are like part
0: of every one of yeah. their like fun little videos. I mean, if I was a kid living at home, I would absolutely include my parents in all my TikToks.
1: Hey, so let's let's talk about all of this stuff that you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Please. So we've got your new movie Blade of the 47 Ronin. Is on Netflix currently?
0: Yes. Yeah, we and you're were number three in the United States.
1: You're Luna. Yes, I'm Luna, and that's a beautiful name. And and so, like, what was what was that like for you? I mean, I know you've acted and you've done your own things, and obviously you're comedic and you have no fear of the camera. But what was this like for you?
0: It was great because it was an all Asian cast set in Budapest. So against European architecture, which I never really thought I would would be an environment that I would have an all Asian cast and crew with. It was just a phenomenal experience. I love shooting overseas. I love being immersed in a different culture. We had a Hungarian crew and a US crew. So the Hungarian crew would constantly be teaching us like how to speak their language. And we also had crew fly in from Japan who were stunts. So sometimes it would be like, I talk to the AD in English, he talks to his crew in Hungarian, then I'll talk to the stunt team in Japanese. And then, you know, so it was like, it was a very multilingual set. It was just, yeah, it was great. Like Budapest is Beautiful. I love what you're saying. I, it's apparently the correct pronunciation. I am fully aware of Budapest. I know. I kept saying Budapest and they were getting a little upset. <laughs> so I was like, I'll say Budapest and it's been drilled <laughs> into me. Got it. But no, it was, it was an amazing experience and to even get to be on number three on Netflix, I was blown away and surprised and it's been wonderful to see how how well it's done.
1: Have you seen any correlation? Have you found like new fans fo- following you, finding you or have people yeah. just kind of already been present?
0: I don't I mean I you know I got two thousand followers on Instagram. The week. That's hard to do these days. I know Instagram is so fucking hard to grow. It's capped off. I know. I think it's they also love reels now, apparently. I don't yeah. know. Every platform is trying to be every other platform. It's, like make up your fucking mind. Yeah,
1: I think actually TikTok has something that's similar to be real right now. I know. I'm like, I'm not doing it. No. I'm not doing I'll do a live. Yeah. Every now and then. But like I can't even do a live. I'm so fucking busy. I'm tired. tired. Yeah.
0: I'll just live a nap. I'll be like, here you go. Someone nap with me. <laughs> they do that. Really? Mm-hmm. Do
1: you want to know what they do? What? And I think they're actually in Japan and places like this where they will literally be in a weird torture chamber where it has a bed and it's either a female, it's sometimes male, and they'll be like, give me a heart. And it has – oh, my God. It's so fucking weird. Basically, like it's a, it's it looks like a torture room, okay? And, it, and on – almost like saw or something. And there's like okay. a picture that says – do hearts if you want me to scream. Do do like another emoji if you want loud metal music. Like there's some weird stuff on TikTok oh, in the it's lives. like a kink fulfillment, I guess. It's so, TikTok actually does have some really weird stuff going on. Like as good as it is as it is at locating the people, if it can also be a little crazy.
0: I mean, maybe TikTok will make their own version of OnlyFans (laughs) before we know it. And it'll just be weird stuff like that. I mean, it was also like, I wanted to have a, I was like, should I make a mukbang channel? Because I love to eat food and just talk about fucking bullshit. And some of my, my friends in Asia will literally just do like, have lunch with me. And they'll have these massive... Massive meals where they just talk about like the latest episode of House of Dragon or whatever. And they'll get millions of views because all these people who are eating lunch at their desk who are lonely and just want to like have a conversation oh. will like play it and watch it during their lunch break. Oh. And I was like, that's really sweet. Yeah, that yeah. is in that is
1: you're saying that's your friends in Asia. Mm-hmm. And it's because people in Asia are working really hard at their desks. Yes. That's really sad. Yeah. 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 Um and I think I've seen some TikToks
0: that are like that too.
1: Okay, so yes. the movie's doing really well. Do you think there'll be another one? Do you want to work with Netflix uh, yeah. again?
0: I usually work with Netflix. A lot of my a lot of my categories, are, my catalog is actually with them. Um, love them. I actually have a show with them now that's in development that so yes. I'm writing. So okay, we'll see can if we you get say. Greenlit?
1: I was going to say, can you say anything about I it? Don't think
0: I'm allowed to. So okay. I'll play it safe. Okay, cool. Before they message me, like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but no, it's been great. They've been like amazing to develop with. They're like very tuned in creatively and like have amazing notes. So
1: so you're also executive producing. Uh, this one, yes, yes, I am. This the one that you're in development. The one that I'm with? writing, yeah. Okay, great. That's all we can talk about. Then. Yes. Okay. That's all we can say. Well, I mean, let's talk about your music. <laughs> it is I music, please. So, when exactly were you
0: finding your voice throughout all of the social media stuff? Mm-hmm. How was that happening? Well, I used to do comedy music. So, in my stand up routine, I would play acoustic guitar and I would sing silly songs like The One That Got Away. And it's about, you find out it's about a guy who like escaped my basement. I'm like looking for him. But uh, I actually always thought real, quote unquote, real music was scarier than stand up. Cause I was like, with stand up, you know if you're doing well or if you're doing bad immediately. You have audible feedback. With music, I'm like, you're just doing it to silence. And you don't know if they're vibing or not. Like how do you know if anyone is vibing to this? (laughs) So the idea of like singing in silence was always so scary to me. I would much rather crack jokes for half an hour. And then once I, I stopped doing stand-up ultimately because it was really bad for my mental health. Like when I was touring, you're completely alone usually at my level anyway. When I was doing like colleges and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you have a good show, you're alone. You have a bad show, you're alone. And because of the nature of my comedy, I'm more of a coast comic. So I'm very alternative. I'm very macabre in my comedy. It's very edgy. Midwest, they, they don't want that. They just want to hear like, tell us jokes about being Asian or being mm-hmm. a woman, mm-hmm. which wasn't really my shtick. So I ended up leaving stand-up, but I love live performance. Like, I just love it so much. There's something about the energy of a live performance that was great. And because I'd always been terrified of music, I was like, well, that's what I got to do. Like, the things you're the most afraid of, the things that you're avoiding the most, that's what you have to do to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and grow. So I uh, started doing that.
1: Wow. Man, what is this voice inside you that keeps telling you to do the things that you fear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? What do you fear, Chrissy? Uh, everything. Yeah? I'm pretty fearful. I, I I live in a constant state of fear. Okay. And it's definitely something that I've got to work on. But you're really inspirational in this way mm. in that you just kind of tackle everything. This is going to be sort of, a, sort of a weird question, mm. but... Do you feel connected to your sister's voice? Oh, all the time.
0: She was – I love telling this story. She was a dancer. And every year for the talent show, she would get her friends and she would teach them a dance. And then the day of the talent show, they would all fucking bail. And she would just go up and do the dance that she choreographed by herself. And I was always like, I was a very shy child, very fearful. I couldn't even ask like a store clerk where the bathroom was. I had to like whisper in my brother's ear and he would have to go ask the clerk in my stead. And so I always feel like my personas that I have when I'm when I've been doing stand up or when I'm performing, like I try to channel my sister's energy and like the way that she was so brave and fearless always on stage.
1: Interesting. But do you feel like you you can honor her spirit in Mm -hmm. this way? But do you still have a relationship with her spirit that is more of like yeah. a direct spiritual connection? Like, I uh, I believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised Catholic. But in terms of like being sober and stuff, I think a higher power, the more you listen to it and the more you honor it, mm-hmm. I feel like the louder that voice can become in the way that it helps you. Absolutely. So I just find it kind of interesting that you seem so guided to to tackle those things that you fear.
0: Yeah, I also believe in a higher power. Don't know what it is. Don't need to know. But I've done ayahuasca a few times, and it was life-changing, and I really connected to my sister in that way. I also met a medium randomly in New York who was... So freaky accurate and like gave me a lot of closure at that time when I was like really seeking a relationship with her and I talked to her, you know, like when I'm in my car, I'm having like a really difficult day. I talk to her. I talk to like the amorphous thing in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um And so I have a, a very, very good relationship in which I always try to tune in with her and ask her like, am I doing the right thing? Like at what point? should i reevaluate my life should i reevaluate my values like when am i when am i off center how can i be of service more how can i like really honor your memory more mm-hmm. um so that's an that's an ever growing relationship i think
1: that's amazing so you're doing so much stuff right now oh should we talk about reading the
0: comments because like i have
1: read the comments oh god and you've got to teach me your ways I, I i'm curious like what is your relationship to haters and, like, commenters and stuff. Man,
0: well, my therapist said that your relationship with the internet is that of an abusive boyfriend. So she's like, the internet's an abusive boyfriend. You have to know that you're interacting with your abuser. And it's, like, unprecedented, right? Like, we've never been in a time in which anyone can have access to you At any point, like they can come into your room and be like, hey, you're a fucking piece of shit and you should die. And you're like, oh my God, I was just enjoying my tea and now my day is ruined. Yeah, pretty much. But I think the hard thing for me now is like, I can read a comment that's like, you're a talentless fucking cunt, go kill yourself and join your sister. And I'm not phased at all. I'm like, whatever. That's like the 24th time I've read something like that. So now the comments that really bug me are the ones that ring slightly true. Just like (laughs) real pieces of critique of like, wow, your heart really wasn't in this video. I can feel you phoning it in. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> or, like, <you> know? <laughs> or like that joke was really outdated and I feel like you didn't really try. And I'm these like, these haters oh, are getting smart. They're getting a little, you know, picking you apart a little bit. Yeah. And, um, but I don't know. It's so weird. The, the trolls that have actually bothered me the most are people who I used to know who think they know me still and critique whatever I'm doing online. Like I, I had a girl from high school reach out and was like. I never thought you would become that girl on Instagram who like posts those traps and has fake boobs and like I really love how you used to present yourself because it was so nerdy and adorable. I'm just wondering like what happened to you? <laughs> and I was like, bitch, what? So we we actually ended up having like a really insane conversation. But there, those are the that's the trolling that really bugs me the most. I think because I'm like you knew me like we like a stranger on the internet. I can understand saying something stupid like that projection makes sense to me. But for someone from your past to project onto you, who you've interfaced with, that yeah. always really throws me. Yeah, that's very, yeah. that's that's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like uh, I'm from a small town mm-hmm. and like I don't go back a lot, but I, I, it's hard to not feel a sense of like, almost like shame when I go back because, mm. you know, I, I feel like there's a town that I represent and that, you know, I know that they're proud of me or they've, or many people have been like, oh, you know, Chrissy Ronaldo, she's from our town. Yeah. She's one of this like list of people. But then it's kind of like, you know, from the way I grew up, my family wasn't, you know, really like wealthy. And I think some of my uncles were definitely like bad with the law, my dad included. And so it was like, I just was like the pride of my family and the pride of this town. Yeah, I have my own day.
0: So what, wait, I'm sorry. Own, you have your own day, and that when is it?
1: Uh, it's actually the day that I I started dating my husband. I think it's like February, uh, February fucking 14th. Can we look up Valentine's? My, day? No, no, wait, wait. Can we look up my day? Can you say Christy Romano Day?
0: Oh my! In Milford, you Milford have Connecticut,
1: you you have your own. That's Fuck, Why actually, do you feel shame? Because there should be a parade. Is there a parade? There would not be unless I was more famous. You see this? I would have you a You have a day. But they don't celebrate it. But
0: you have it. <laughs> like, you you feel shameful that you're not successful. I don't have a day. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Do you go back and you're like, hello, simpletons, the design on on my special day. Yeah. No, I wish. That'd
1: be really fucking cool. Um, what is it? It says February twenty. That's it. That's it. In two thousand and five, you received the finest
0: citizen award. That's right. You received the finest citizen in award in my little town of Milford, Connecticut. Okay, and it's- Milford, Connecticut, February twenty second. Yeah. I will go to cri- your day. Yeah? I will go to your day. You will? I will. We're gonna fuck shit up. I will. I. What should I? What should I do? Should I cosplay as you? I, like. <laughs> Yes! How do I celebrate the day? I don't know. I just want to come with you and celebrate my day. This <laughs> sounds amazing. Let's do a YouTube video. Would, I would go every year, and I would stroll Should through the like, town and be you like- Do you what day this yes! is? Are you kidding? I would become a menace to society if yes. I had a day. Like, what are you doing? I know, right? Headless
1: horseman. Like, I'm just going to come back from the dead after I die. And what just, are like, your plans back. for
0: your next day? I don't know, but you're kind
1: of getting me into maybe, like, going there. That is the coolest thing I've ever fucking heard.
0: heard <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Thank
1: you. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think you're pretty freaking cool too. So so then, in terms of like all the amazing stuff, the music, are you planning on doing more music? <laughs> I
0: am. Sorry, I'm still on the day. I'm like, well, I'm, my achievements mean nothing. I have not
1: been awarded the finest. Citizens. It's just a small, small town, but it's that's a very so
0: cool. Um, yes, I have more music coming out. I'm basically releasing a single every uh, every six weeks because cool. uh, the algorithm likes singles. and They don't like albums anymore. Oof. Yeah, yeah. they like they like bits of singles. Yes. Which uh, Bo Burnham definitely said
1: oh yeah long ago yeah
0: oh he is one eloquent man he is isn't he yeah i, could,
1: I mean he's taken but i know y'all would have made a good couple oh
0: thank you <laughs> i have a cardboard cutout of bow in my home so who's your tie are you are you seeing anybody right now <laughs> um i've been on the apps i keep getting banned yeah. from hinge for impersonating myself so i'm currently using my brother's number and profile okay. um on it so but if you see yeah so if you your see me, please don't please don't report me. I am running out of numbers to use. Um, what about Raya? See, I never did any yeah. of that stuff. But I mean, uh, I'm glad you didn't. Like, yeah. honestly, it's a hellscape out there. I've heard um, these things. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, y- you meet people and you're like either you like them and they're not as into you, or vice versa. Like, and it's making me realize the extent of of how difficult it can be to find a connection because dating in LA is like talking to someone and they are looking over your shoulder to see who just arrived at the party. So yeah, it's, it's going okay though. I'm, I'm staying optimistic and trying to have fun. They,
1: yeah, I mean, you need, we were just talking about breaking up with a friend, like yeah, a best friend. Yeah. I think I think it's, friends are really important too. Yeah. Have you, have you replaced that old friend with a new or
0: better friend? I mean, I've actually just like gotten closer to some of my other friends. Cause I also think like pandemic, the nature of pandemic, we all went through a great culling of our circles, right? Like, cause you just couldn't see anyone anymore. And so you became extremely codependent with the people that were in your pod and that That's you true. could see. They became like your village that you would normally utilize as supportive just became like a very tiny island. So I'm like reaching back out to my village. I also was going to try to do the the BFF function on Bumble and find like a BFF because there's like a one for like friendship on Bumble. Yeah, we have one for moms called Peanut.
1: That's so cute. Yeah. I haven't really used it, but yeah. you should. You
0: should put I have a day, <laughs> February 22nd, Milford. Let's go, mom. You are so funny. Are you So no more stand-up? You're nah, too funny, though. No. I'll, I'll go back to it when I'm like 50 When or you fucking want to, yeah. you're going to go
1: back to it. Okay. And then I want to see you acting more and stuff. And obviously you're working with Netflix and you're, <sighs> yes. you're in development, but is there anything else that you Man, want? I was
0: supposed to do the new Mike Schur show. So he made like um, The Good Place. He was involved with Parks and Rec, all that uh-huh. good stuff. He's my comedy icon. And I was supposed to be like Kristen Bell's Love interest. Ooh. But uh, there's been a big reshuffling. You know, oh, like always. 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 You know, the merger and the streamer number, quarterly number. are Oh, now are it's bad. November, yeah. so I'll talk to you next year. Yeah. <laughs> so that actually, we got canceled before we even started filming. Um, so they've been trying to find another home for that. But it's... I I I'm not keeping my hopes up. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, I'm back on the audition grind, but it's it's just such an interesting. I'm curious how it was for you as a kid, because now it feels like they have an offer out to a name, and they audition everyone every anyway, and they give you 14 pages to memorize, and you find out they've already, like, sealed the deal with a name actor, so everything feels pointless.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's completely different business than when we started. Yeah. I, I think that I, I look back, and I'm like, wow, that made—our what our way made so much more sense to yeah. me in some ways, because there was only so many slots to fill. And that the way agencies worked was that the top agencies would have colored envelopes. Um, yeah, they would have different, just different stickers that have, you know, their submission envelopes in. And so those would go to the top of the pile. Oh, wow. So you would get prioritized to have your audition slot. Uh-huh. And so, and then, of course, casting people would want certain people, right? Yeah. But now it's not that way since the pandemic I feel like it's never going to go back because mm, mm, everyone's doing like, uh, you know, auditions not in person and it's just straight through Vimeo tapes, or yeah. Dropbox or whatever. You're not getting any feedback. Yeah, We used to get feedback. Yeah, Feedback was actually really helpful because if you didn't understand your brand, like I think one of the good things about starting off on your own in the way that you did as a creator is like you really know your fucking brand. Mm. You know your pain points, you know what you're trying to work on, but like you know who you are. You know, your brand of comedy. Mm-hmm. And so that also makes everyone, it's also like the best demo for, for somebody to hire you from that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm getting with her. Um, do you still act? I can't say that I do, but it's not something that I would not do. Mm-hmm. It's just that, look, I have a five and a three year old. Mm-hmm. And so I wanna be there for them and I don't wanna be on set for like 12 hours yeah. a day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I, I'm in a weird place with finding myself in content creation, some independence from the business. Mm, mm.
0: So I'm living there right now as there's sort of this like little safe place for now. I mean, it does afford a lot of flexibility and freedom. Like being able to make your own schedule if you're just flying out to bulk shoot a bunch of content. you know, That's what I'm doing. Yeah, it's it's perfect. So you don't have to spend that much time away from your children.
1: Yeah, and so really that's where my heart and my head is at right now Mm. in just having some structure because I wasn't acting and getting ton of auditions before and I had a great fan base that didn't know where to find me. Yeah. Hence YouTube. Yeah. And so as even though I don't have even a million followers
0: yet, I guess. Yeah, she's manifesting it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't look at it like you said, like I'm not looking at those numbers. As a, as a means to the views or connecting and engaging. Mm, mm. I'm at a million right now on TikTok, and that means a lot to me because I feel like I've really earned it yeah, and that I am very engaged and very, like, part of something that also ends up becoming sponsored content or whatever. Yeah. It, it all kind of ties together. So I'm moving at my own pace mm-hmm. um, after having a life and a career in the industry that was really not – my own to, yeah. to have.
0: What's your mission statement now?
1: Um get paid? <laughs> <laughs> Actually no. Right now my mission statement, away from mm-hmm. um like I guess creating authentic content. That I can back, whether it's sponsored or not. Like I actually do shop at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Like I actually really do enjoy some of the stuff that I have to do for my sponsors. So yeah. I'm like, I like, I like doing that stuff. It makes me kind of happy. Yeah. And maybe that's the Disney kid in me. That's like, I'll sell a product. You yeah. want to sell a product? I will <laughs> sell a product. Yeah. I mean, right now what I'm doing is I'm trying to fix. Child labor laws. I love that in the industry. Yeah, I'm not actively doing that in like. Um, I don't have a foundation yet. Mm-hmm. I don't have a legislation written out. But what I'm doing right now is I'm organizing with folks like Allison Stoner. Mm-hmm. I just had Alexa Nicholas on, who was also really wonderful to chat with about her time at, you know, Nickelodeon and the Dan Schneider stuff. Mm. And basically, like, I'm using Vulnerable as a platform for content that really impinges upon people. Mm-hmm. And it's a jumping off point, but I'm not sure where I'm going with
0: mm. it. <laughs> well, I mean, you can only find that out through continuing to do it, right? And that might evolve. I'm throwing it. I'm throwing, yeah, you're throwing it, it, out it at there. the wall. Yeah. And it
1: does take a little bit of time. But I think that Good things do take some time. Yeah. So I'm still putting myself out there. Acting is a mixed bag for me. Yeah. But if you call me <laughs> and you're like, hey, bitch, leave Austin, Texas and come, I would, I would, I would do anything to work Perfect. with you. Perfect. Good to know. Thank you so much. Oh my God. For coming on. Obviously, where can we find you? I'm on everything as myself,
0: Anna Akana. Except Hinge. No, Hinge, I'm Anna Akana too. You are? Yeah. But not Bumble. No, I I, am. I thought you were on your brother's thing. Oh no, Hinch. but I have I just changed over all of the information of my information. But you can only Got you it. have to sign up with a phone number, and okay. so my phone number is banned. Got it. Yes. That's like me and Etsy.
1: Oh, are you banned They banned me big time on Etsy. Why? I was trying to sell shirts, and I had, like, some case disputes or something because of (laughs) shipping, and now I have to, like, use other people's Etsy, and I'm, like, I feel like such a, like, a vagrant or something. I'm, like, a horrible human being. I can't buy
0: my kids some, like, personalized cake stand (laughs) because of etsy Uh, anyway my friend i was banned from paypal because there's a joke in the notes section when he paid someone he put isis training no so they were like we are banning you for life you may never have a paypal and i was like honestly i respect them for this like yeah good for you they're like we're we're not not taking a chance on this
1: paypal what up yeah hashtag paypal yeah hashtag sponsor (laughs) hashtag not isis training yeah Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you, you're fucking awesome.
0: You are too. I can't wait to celebrate your day, February 22nd, Milford, <laughs> Connecticut.
1: <laughs> Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham, and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version.